This is an AMI podcast. I'm Joyita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. The pandemic has not been easy for people with disabilities. Sure, many of us have successfully transitioned to working from home or online education, but just about all of us have somewhat struggled with our new reality. We've watched groceries get more expensive while our incomes remain stagnant. We've struggled to access information and community supports. Accessing home care, public transportation, or going to a hospital all have become potential minefields. Many nonprofits across the country have admirably stepped into the breach, but more needs to be done. Some financial support from the federal government to assist people with disabilities at this time would not be altogether unwelcome. Today, we discuss proposed disability benefits during COVID-19. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Juwita Gupta and I'm the host of the program. It's wonderful to have you in this space with us again. The Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, recently announced financial supports meant to assist people with disabilities with extra expenses during the pandemic. This support includes a one-time tax-free payment to individuals who are holders of the Disability Tax Credit Certificate as of June 1, 2020. However, Bill C-17 is now at the center of a federal feud, and the measures to assist Canadians with disabilities are in limbo, as the bill failed to receive majority support in Parliament. My guest today is Joel Smith, past chairperson for the Council for Canadians with Disabilities. Joel joins us to discuss the need for financial aid for Canadians with disabilities during the pandemic. She joins us now from Cloverdale, British Columbia. Hello and welcome back to The Pulse. It's so great to have you on the program. Thank you for having me. So when you heard the announcement from the government that the Canadians were going to get this one-time tax-free $600 payment, only to then hear a few days later that it had failed to obtain majority support in Parliament, what was your initial reaction? I mean, there's a lot of mixed reaction. Um, The announcement itself, as you may have heard, would only benefit um, a little less than 40% of Canadians with disabilities. So we had been working behind the scenes to address that um, you know, difficult situation for other Canadians. However, when the bill failed to even be debated at the House, uh, we were incredibly disappointed um, and honestly angry. People with disabilities were waiting a long time to hear of some sort of reprieve during COVID-19 and finally to have something put forward for you know, some Canadians with disabilities and then only to have it become, you know, um, a difficult conversation in Parliament that that doesn't now benefit any people with disabilities. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's been very frustrating. One of the things I, you know, I wanted to go back to that you said earlier was that only about 40% of Canadians would actually benefit from this proposed benefit should it come to pass. Why is that? And what were some of the criteria that they were looking at in terms of determining eligibility? Sure. So it would only be Canadians who are registered with the disability tax credit. Um, and there are so many issues with that particular um, you know, tax credit. Uh, first of all, it is non-refundable. The majority of Canadians with disabilities don't benefit from it. Um, because they don't make a high enough income to benefit from it. It's very difficult to apply for, often requiring multiple appeals. 
it doesn't really take into consideration the situation for people who maybe live with more than one disability or perhaps have an episodic or chronic disability that affects them differently at times. Mm-hmm. Um, further, the, the criteria is very high. It expects, you know, things take 90% longer for you to complete. Um, I mean, it's, the bar is so high that it really does not help people um, in general who live with disabilities. You know, when I think back to the Accessible Canada Act, we know that it received unanimous support. So based on that, it's not something that I had expected to hear, that a bill that would deal with disability benefits would necessarily become the center of controversy or a firestorm of disagreement in Parliament. What happened? Well, I think that the problem was that the the bill that was put forward also included the piece of legislation that would look at fraudulent um, claims to any of the benefits over the COVID-19 response. And for, you know, the all both, op- are, well, I think definitely three three of the opposition parties, there were problems with it. Um, in particular, uh, NDP is concerned about how this, and, and I'm concerned, honestly, how this will affect racialized or poor people who maybe, you know, out of desperation were just applying for whatever they could. Um, I would mm-hmm. I would never want to see that um, anyone jailed if we're mistakenly applying. Um, but the problem happened when the Liberals did offer to separate the two, and um, unfortunately, uh, opposition said that they didn't want that and they wanted to call back the full parliament. And so we, you know, as far as I'm concerned, the disability community is being used as pawns for mm-hmm. a different fight going on, rather than just recognizing that there are so many Canadians with disabilities who are absolutely desperate right now. Do you feel that the Canadians with disabilities who are desperate right now have adequately been consulted with? No, <laughs> no. And even in the response, I, I've been fielding, you know, probably like 100 questions over the last few days, five days, um, from people across the country and just not understanding what that would have meant if they would have qualified, not understanding that it failed, wondering why they went online and tried to apply for it and couldn't get it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, I've heard from people who are struggling now with mental health um, and and not sure how they're going to go on. And it just makes me incredibly sad. The government did put together a COVID-19 disability advisory group, a lot of familiar names on that group. Could they have done more by way of consultation? Yes, I think they could have, for sure. Um, I, I feel like there are so many outliers in the disability community that are often not uh, consulted on issues. Um, and it's something I've worked very hard as my, my term, which actually just came to an end on Saturday, um, mm-hmm. June 4th, 13th, um, as chair of CCD. But I've worked very hard to bring in community groups that we don't normally hear from. And I think that that is, is lacking. Um, and, I, and I think that moving forward, the diversity of our community needs to be heard from. I think that sometimes it's, um, it's, it's easier to consult uh, with, with groups who, who can get angry and don't rely on government funding um, to be able to tell the government the truth about what, where things are at for, for people with disabilities. I'm speaking to Jewel Smith, the chairperson or now former chairperson for the, the Council of Canadians with Disabilities. And we're talking about Bill C-17 and the fact that it failed to obtain majority support in Parliament. That's news that a lot of Canadians would have been disappointed about, especially Canadians with disabilities. What has the pandemic meant for people with disabilities in terms of their financial situation? Has Have things gotten much worse? For sure, things have gotten worse financially. Um, many of us, myself included, um, I've been in 
the majority of the three months I've been in quarantine, um, I had pneumonia at the beginning. Uh, I rely on delivery, and many Canadians with disabilities are relying on delivery of food, delivery of um, their medications, and all of those things are costing money they don't have. Um, people who have uh, care workers and support workers um, coming home have had to also now hire individuals who come in to do cleaning, which is an additional expense that's not covered in order to be safe in having somebody come into their home to assist with daily activities. So, I mean, those are just a couple of expenses. Um, another area that's really impacted the community is the absolute isolation that's happening. And for those Canadians with disabilities who cannot afford to have internet, they're even further isolated um, from, from their friends and colleagues. So with all of that said, $600 one-time tax-free would have gone a long way in alleviating some of the financial burden. But you've indicated earlier and others have indicated earlier that basing eligibility on the disability tax credit is a less than adequate mechanism. It's an inadequate mechanism, really. So how else might we go about distributing a benefit that targets as many people as possible who are dealing with the financial fallout of COVID-19? Is there another way that you can think of? I mean, I've, you know, I've been pondering this a lot for the last week or so. And one of the ways potentially could be to work with provinces and territories where many people are on provincial um, disability benefits that are not as onerous or difficult to apply for. Um, and that might be a way to identify more people in our community who are particularly struggling right now because they are, do not generally work full time. Um, another way, you know, I, I think it's reaching out to different parts of the community and asking them how, how would it be easier to identify the Canadians with disabilities in, you know, who, who are struggling the most. Um, mm. I don't have a full answer. I know that, you know, it always involves different government levels working together, but Surely there's a better way to identify people than simply those people who have the disability tax credit, of which quite a few of those people are not the most vulnerable. Because if you benefit from the disability tax credit, that generally means you're working enough to to benefit from it. That's right. Now, this these problems with the disability tax credit have predated the pandemic. Do you think that the pandemic is going to help to shine a spotlight on the issue so we can see some reform to the way in which we administer the disability tax credit? Or is it that because we're in the middle of a pandemic, this issue, as significant as it is, will probably get pushed to the back burner? What's your sense? (laughs) Um, I Honestly, I hope it does. That's that's always my hope is that something like this will shine light on injustices. you know, I, I go back and forth in, in, given any day on whether I think it's, it's going to shine the light on or whether it's just going to get pushed to the side. I think that if people with disabilities really just pull together and, and push back and, and make this an issue to, to all of Canadians, so Canadians without disabilities or who don't have a family member with a disability can understand that it is such a barrier the way it has been created. Um, the Council of Canadians with Disabilities, working with partners for, for many, many years, has looked at um, disability tax credit reform. And I, I, I'm hopeful that this, you know, I, I, I certainly know from my able-bodied friends hearing from them over this that they had no idea that less than 40% um, of our community benefited from it. So I, that's a start is when the, rate, you know, the general population understands the issue. Joel, outside of the benefit and the firestorm of controversy surrounding this benefit, how have you felt about the way in which the federal government has actually dealt with people with disabilities during the pandemic? 
I feel like they haven't, honestly. Um, I feel like every level of this response has been disappointing. Um, I'll share with you when the first $2,000 um, CERB announcement was made, people with disabilities across the country, you know, heads went up and thought, what? You know, most mm. people with disabilities live on far less than $2,000 a month, some of them with children. Um, and it's very frustrating to hear that that is what our government thinks is a livable wage, and yet we are all struggling, um, often relying on charity and, and uh, you know, other handouts. Um, mm. And then to see rollout after rollout where people with disabilities weren't considered, we pushed really hard for students with disabilities to um, have some relief as well. And again, that only helps some students with disabilities in general. For example, I'm a PhD um, candidate at the moment and and because I don't rely on student loans it doesn't benefit me and so you know I, I feel like often it's an afterthought if at all and to wait all the way until June for any kind of announcement um, to benefit our community is incredibly disappointing for, for us. You know you mentioned the discrepancy between the two thousand dollars that Canadians without disabilities can get uh, under CERB, which is the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, vis-a-vis the $600 that Canadians could get under this benefit if they have a disability. It's one time $600. And when I looked through social media, there's a lot of frustration about that discrepancy. How do you feel about it? I feel very frustrated. Um, there was a, about three years when my children were younger, where my I was in um, I was in a bad place with my, my disability. Like right now, I'm, I'm I would say I'm a little bit in remission and I'm managing my symptoms very well, but I had to rely on provincial disability benefits raising my sons, and that meant I had to rely on the food bank and and, and charities and friends helping out and, um, you know, inadequate of everything raising my children. And it was very frustrating to see that, you know, the government, in fact, thinks that able-bodied Canadians, $2,000 is a decent amount. Um, and I'm just hearing a repeatedly from across the country, as you mentioned, on social media. I've had phone calls with friends and colleagues. That it's, it's, it's pretty obvious to us that it, there's a different standard here. Right. One of the other things that I came across when I was researching this and reading over some of the concerns is that a number of people feel that if they did receive some kind of federal assistance, that would result in a clawback of provincial payments. And there doesn't seem to be a uniform standard across the country. What can you tell us about that? I'm hearing exactly the same thing. And it's been, you may have seen some of my social media talking about that as well. Um, absolutely, we have concerns about clawbacks. It's not standard across, you know, the country um, and up into the territories. We actually, some provinces have given some benefits. So BC, for example, had a one-time $300 benefit for people on provincial benefits. Um, the, you know, unsurety that whether it's going to be clawed back, whether you can rely on it, whether you can actually use it for these extra expenses that are being incurred is very problematic. And um, people with disabilities who are relying on benefits of any kind cannot be in a position where they're going to have to pay something back. They simply are not in a place where if they received too much or they suddenly discovered, in fact, they, they couldn't use it to pay for the extra cost Um it would just push them further into poverty. Mm-hmm. And so is there a need to look at something like a basic universal income? I'm sort of getting ahead of myself a little bit in terms of <laughs> the recommendations, but 
a lot of people have said when the, when they implemented CERB that rather than giving people $2,000, maybe this is the moment where we seriously think about a universal basic income. Is that the way we need to respond to the difficulties faced by people with disabilities? I would think so. I mean, again, it's something that the Council of Canadians with Disabilities and many other disability organizations um, across the country have argued for for a very long time. We know that places that pilot it, people do much better, much better quality of life. So I, I do think it's a conversation we need to be pushing for and encouraging. I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the political back and forth um, that we've seen in relation to Bill C-17. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said that, open quote, politics got in the way of actually helping Canadians. And of course, there he's referencing the failure to pass the bill. Is that something you agree, that this was just politics and and people with disabilities became collateral in the process? I do. I I think that, um, and I've said this before, and I know some people think it's, it's, you know, extreme to say it, but I just think that often our lives are not counted or valued. Um, that it's forgotten that 22% of Canadians live with a disability, that many of us are employed, that we do have a voice and an access to social media, and we do have friends and we are pushing back. Um, I was, you know, after I got over being disappointed that the politics happened in the House, um, I was just furious, honestly. Um, this is this is completely unfair. There was none of this sort of thing happening with anyone else's benefit. And I do not understand why the government and, you know, all the opposition, et cetera, decided that this was the moment to take a stand um, and take away money from a group that's, you know, the systemic, the situation is set up in such a way that people with disabilities are pushed into the margins continually. And when there was finally a tiny bit of hope, it got taken away because of politics. But surely there's more to this. So let me read you a quote from Andrew Scheer, who says... He, that is to say the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, he is the one who waited months before bringing proposals forward to help people with disabilities. And then yesterday, when Conservatives proposed a motion to have Parliament meet to debate this legislation, it was Liberals who said no, end quote. So, so you know, you've alluded to this, and I agree with you, that um, there's probably more going on here than just the substance of the benefit. There's obviously a bigger dispute about uh, the resumption of normal sittings in the House of Commons. But did you feel that Andrew Scheer may have had a point? Did the government leave this too late? Because I remember talking about CERB back in April, and here we are two months later with indecision about a benefit for people with disabilities. I absolutely agree with you that there should have been a response sooner. Um, And that has been a key frustration of the disability community for months now. Um, And I mean, those are two issues, but I don't think that this moment should have become the political football, as it were. Um, Mm. I agree the government took too long to find a benefit. I'm not sure why all the details, but that happened. And I also equally feel like it should not have been the moment where the Conservatives pushed for the full sitting in, in, you know, with the result being that this was not even debated and there was not even any relief for people with disabilities. I'm speaking to Jewel Smith, past chairperson for the Council for Canadians with Disabilities. We're talking about a proposed disability benefit during COVID-19. You know, in a previous email and previous correspondence to federal politicians, Jewel, you've said that you really need to put, that politicians really need to put their political differences aside. But as you know, 
the quotes that I gave you were just the, the first round in a debate that got increasingly heated uh, and accusations were made back and forth. Are you at, at all optimistic that they'll be able to set aside political rancor enough to get together some kind of a coalition to pass Bill C-17? I'm hopeful. <laughs> That's why, I, you know, I'm having so many conversations, as everybody has probably seen over the last five or six days um, or, or longer now. Um, and I, I'm hopeful. I'm absolutely hopeful. And, and if I wasn't hopeful, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, you know, talking with media and, and trying to encourage all Canadians to stand up and, and, and tell the government to find a solution on this. Mm-hmm. And so the question that that this raises is how can Canadians try to be supportive of the work that you're doing? How are some of the ways in which we can all get involved? I think it's really important to reach out to your MPs and also other MPs, um, particularly those who have in their portfolio disability, and, and let them know that enough is enough and Canadians with disabilities need some you know, support and response during this, uh, this pandemic. I think that you know, reading and educating yourself on where the issues are is equally as important. We need to have allies across all of Canadians who understand, you know, where the vulnerabilities lie in the system, such as, you know, the disability tax credit that doesn't benefit most people with disabilities, such as such a low amount of money um, that most people with disabilities live on, um, such as the kind of work that people with disabilities often do being way underpaid. you know, much like you do with any other situation where you step up and, and become an ally, it's, it's the education, resharing the messages from actual people with disabilities um, and standing, you know, standing with people with disabilities to the government and just telling them we need a response. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've been following, and I'm sure you've been following it too, is just the, the, the amount of protest and social unrest that stemmed from the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, lots of protests going past my window. And it's been inspiring to see that groundswell of support. How do we create that for the disability community? How do we mobilize enough action that people aren't just taking isolated actions, that we actually see grassroots social movements that say that our lives matter as people with disabilities? I think you're absolutely right. It has been exciting as, you know, as a person that works in human rights and and civil rights movements um, to watch that happen and to see, you know, the allyship between Indigenous and Black Canadians to to raise, you know, racialized issues. Um, We know that so many of the... um, the situations that have occurred with um, police officers um, shooting or, or harming people who are black or indigenous, often those people are also disabled. Mm-hmm. I think that it's really about raising awareness to Canadians um, about what the situation and lives of people with disabilities are. I just want to note, I, I was on, um, I came into a meeting over the weekend with a group of um, British Columbians with uh, mostly developmental disabilities who were talking about this very topic and what they voiced is their fear to rise up because they are afraid they're going to lose what little benefit they have. They're Mm -hmm. also afraid to go out, you know, during a pandemic when most people, many people with disabilities are living with also compromised immune systems um, and and the fear that that um, has. And the third fear is that if, you know, you are a person with a disability and you contract COVID-19, there's no assurance that you will get the medical care you need um, if you are hospitalized. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I've been really reflecting on that and how can we have that surge 
of awareness and understanding. I'm, I'm, you know, the responses I've been seeing online and the conversations I've been seeing online the last, you know, little while with the Bill C-17 failing um, has, has made me hopeful. I've had a lot of thoughtful conversations with people, I, you know, and I've had media reach out to me and ask questions. I've been able to direct them to some of my colleagues as well. So I, I just think it's this con- continual pushback and, and continually also having people with disabilities seeing themselves represented in the media and seeing themselves represented online and, um, and talked about. Um, so with the other movements, when they mentioned the big, long laundry list of, you know, the various intersections, don't forget about us. People with disabilities mm-hmm. are very much part of all of these communities. Jewel Smith, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. Thank you for all your work with the Council for Canadians with Disabilities. We wish you all the best and thanks a lot for being on the program today. Thank you for having me. That was Jewel Smith, past chairperson for the Council of Canadians with Disabilities. We spoke today about a proposed disability benefit during COVID-19 and how that will fare in, um, in the next few weeks. We will keep you posted. I want to remind you that if you missed any of our conversation today or would like to catch past episodes of The Pulse, you can do so on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like, rate, or subscribe. I want to say that there are heightened costs associated with living with a disability. There are economic impacts that I think are felt more acutely during a pandemic. And it has, for me, raised the question of what equality means. Do we treat everybody just the same? Is that equality? Or do we take a substantive approach to equality and try to do more for those communities like people with disabilities who have historically and systemically been marginalized? I'm leaning towards the latter position myself, and I hope that the government and decision makers at all three levels of government, in fact, will share my point of view and ensure that Canadians with disabilities are given an adequate amount of support to live not just comfortably, but also with dignity at a time of an unprecedented global pandemic. I just want to say that Canadians with disabilities matter, our lives matter, and it's not just a special interest issue because the issue of disability representation and support for people with disabilities is one that I believe affects Canadians from all walks of life. I'd like to thank Jewel Smith for being my guest on the program today. Our technical producer for The Pulse is Nasreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI-audio, with special thanks to Paula Deneen, technical supervisor. And most of all, thank you for listening to the program. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll be back again very soon with more Pulse on AMI-audio. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.